I don't know as far as the testimony goes. We, like he said, our house burned in 2013, and the Lord put kind of a stop on our plans, I guess you could say, and uh, wound up there and uh, pastored a church there for a few years. And then the Lord called us out of there, and now we're up in northwest Indiana and a uh, bunch of Yankees. And never thought I'd live. So my wife said last night, we never thought we'd live north of the Mason-Dixon, but there we are. And uh, sounding like we do, we don't fit in too well. But uh, the Lord's really blessed there, and we're, we're having a great time. They're helping out. So First uh, Peter, First Peter, it is nice to be back here with you guys. There's, uh, let's see, when we left, when we left Missouri in... 2016, when we left there in 2016, there was only two places that we were thinking about going, and one of them was in northwest Indiana, where we're at, and the other one was Indian Gap. That's the only two places we were thinking about moving to, and I found out, uh, let's say that was yesterday, when we crossed the Texas state line, my wife looked at me and said, you know, I was really hoping the Lord would tell us to come down here to Indian Gap, <laughs> and she never told me that. Yeah, but uh, I found that out yesterday, and uh, it is it is nice to be down here with you guys. We're we're actually, you know, we're not on any kind of a preaching trip. We just come down to just have a just kind of a family vacation here, and uh, said, hey, why don't we go down to Texas? We love it down there. So it was nice to be here. So all right, First Peter, First Peter, First Peter. How many of you been saved for longer than one week? All right, anybody get saved last week? All right, then you're the ones I'm preaching to today, okay? First Peter chapter 1, we're going to stay in Peter for just a minute. Uh, Peter, uh, 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 doctrinally, as far as Peter goes, we don't, uh, we don't gain a lot of doctrine from Peter. But Peter and uh, uh, James and Peter, whenever they write, they write a lot about a certain subject. Peter writes a lot. Uh, Peter writes a lot about suffering. And Peter writes a lot about trouble and problems and uh, going through a lot of uh, different things and a lot of trouble. And uh, so we're going to look at that for just a minute. First Peter chapter 1. First Peter chapter 1, we'll start reading in verse 1. He says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Uh, not sprinkling holy water, but sprinkling the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, Grace unto you, and peace be multiplied. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible, praise the Lord for that, and undefiled, praise the Lord for that, and that fadeth not away, praise the Lord for that, and it's reserved in heaven for you. Uh, for you who? Who is that? Who's he talking to? He says in verse 5, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. I'm kept not by my good works, but by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. That's how I'm kept saved. I don't have to worry about keeping my salvation. If I could lose it, then I would have lost it 100,000 times since I got it 20 years ago. 
but I don't have to worry about keeping my salvation. I'm kept by the power of God. And when God ceases to have power, then I'll have to worry about losing my salvation. <laughs> but only when he ceases to have power, which is going to be obviously never. Verse number 6. Now he gets, into, uh, he gets into kind of the crux of the message here. In verse 6 he says, Wherein you greatly rejoice. Okay, He's going to give you something you can be happy about, rejoicing about. Wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season... If need be, okay, those are three important words. If need be, you're in heaviness through manifold temptations. So you're going through some trouble. You're going through some manifold temptations, he calls it. But he says, if need be. You know, there's a need for you to go through trouble. You know, God puts you through trouble because you need trouble. Now, that kind of sounds odd, you know, for the Christian. You're thinking, okay, God loves me. He wants to bless me. He's a good father. Then why would he put me through trouble, okay? As a parent, as a father, a good father disciplines his children. He don't want to spank him, but he has to sometimes because there's a need for it. If need be, you're in heaviness through manifold temptations. Verse 7, here it is, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth. He's talking about your faith. Your faith is much more precious than gold. It's much more precious than gold. Faith in the Lord Jesus Christ is much more precious than anything you have. Okay? He says that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire. Well, that doesn't sound too fun. <laughs> I don't like fire. Now, we were roasting uh, weenies and marshmallows last night, and I had one of those long sticks, one of them poker sticks, you know, that you put the weenies on the end of. And that fire was a small fire, wasn't it? Wasn't it? I, I mean, it's a small fire. It's just, you know, it wasn't you know, like a big structure fire. It was a small fire, but when you got close enough to it, you know, you had to cover your face. And it, it, I just, I don't like that. I don't like fire. It's hot. So the Lord says, that your faith is to be tried with fire. He says, though it be tried with fire, in verse 7, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. So he's got a purpose. He's got a purpose for that trouble. Now turn to chapter 4 of 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse number 1. A couple of key words you need to listen to. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1. For as much then as Christ hath suffered for us. Your Savior suffered. He had trouble. For as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men but to the will of God. Another purpose for the suffering is so that you can, you can uh, no longer should live the rest of his time, verse 2, in the flesh to the lust of men. When you go through trouble, it causes you to look at what's really important, okay? And that lust of men that looked so good before doesn't look so good now. It's lost its luster because your eyes aren't looking at that lust like you were before, but your eyes are focused on something else now. 
your eyes are focused on the Lord Jesus Christ because of the trouble that you're going through. We watched a stupid movie many, many years ago. It was called Major Pain. Anybody remember Major Pain? Remember that? Kind of a goofy movie. So this drill sergeant, I remember him walking up to one of his men, and he's in the battlefield, and he's laying there, you know, and he's, you know, his guts are blown out and all this kind of stuff. And he says, he says, you got, uh, 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 walks up and says, you in pain? He says, yeah. And he says, you want me to do something take your mind off that pain? He says, yeah. And he says, give me your hand. And he gives him his hand and he takes his pinky and he goes, <coughs> breaks it. <laughs> he says, now your mind's off that pain. And so sometimes God has to take you and put you through something. Sometimes God has to break something on you in order to get you to focus on Him and get your eyes off of the lust of men. Chapter 4, same chapter, verse number 12. Again, he says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. It's not strange. Trouble is not strange to a Christian. Did you know that? Trouble's not strange. It's normal. It's part of the normal Christian life. Okay, he says, uh, verse number 12, Beloved, think it not strange, okay, verse number 13, but rejoice, rejoice because of the fire that you're stepping around in. Well, that's kind of rough. I don't think Brother Ronnie in all them years he was a fireman was going into burning buildings saying, I just love getting burned. No, that doesn't happen. See, that's the Christian irony. (laughs) That's an irony, okay, something doesn't match up there. But Peter says, rejoice in it. Rejoice over the trouble. Verse number 13, But rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when His glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. Now, Brother Keegan's going to go down and preach on, on, on the street. I would encourage, I would encourage some of you young men and men and ladies, to join him. Join him and see what that's like to go out there and stand and just stand for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't have to get out there and start yelling and screaming at nobody. That's what he's for. (laughs) Just go out there and gather around him and just stand there with him because people see that you're with a preacher and they're going to associate you with the Lord Jesus Christ and you're taking a stand for the Word of God, okay? Do that and watch what happens. Watch what happens and see what happens. It's interesting. It really is. I've had all kinds of things thrown at me. I've been called all kinds of different names, had people yelling and screaming at me, telling me how stupid I was, uh, griping at me, telling me that I was leading my kids in the wrong direction because I had my little one standing out there with me. I can't believe you're leading those kids that way. You're, you're hurting those kids, you know, and I, I'm sitting there thinking, I ain't even doing nothing to them. They're just standing here, you know. He says, if ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye, verse 14, for the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. But let none of you suffer, there it is again, suffering as a murderer or as a thief, so on and so forth, verse 16. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian... Let him not be ashamed. Let him glorify God on this behalf. Amen? Amen. Amen. Nothing wrong with suffering for Jesus Christ sometimes. There's nothing wrong with being called an idiot. 
nothing wrong with it. Nothing wrong with being called a heretic. Nothing wrong with being called a, a cult leader, you know. Speaking of, we're going up to Waco tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> nothing wrong with being called a cult leader. Nothing wrong with being called, oh, you know, you're one of those people, you know, member of a cult, cult, uh, you know, walker, like, like that, you know. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. When Jesus comes back, you're going to get a reward for that. Amen. Chapter 5, chapter 5, 1 Peter 5. 1 Peter 5. Now let's look at verse number 8. All right, familiar verse. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Well, that doesn't sound very promising, does it? Amen. Amen. He's not, he's not coming around to give you a pat on the back. He's not coming around to make you think you're, you're wonderful. He wants to devour you. Anybody know what that means to devour something? Anybody ever see a pack of hungry lions chasing after a little calf or something, you know? They want to devour that thing. They want to chew it up and eat it. That's it. They don't care about it. They, don't, they ain't worried about how much it hurts. They want what they want, and that's what Satan wants. He says, verse number 9, Whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Now this, is, this goes back to verse 12 in chapter 4 where he says, Think it not strange. The same things that you're facing, the same trouble, the same fiery trials that you're going through right now, your brethren throughout the whole world are going through. You know, there's a Christian somewhere suffering with the same trouble that you're facing right now. That's why it's not strange. It's not a strange thing to have to go through trouble or problems because your brethren in Africa are going through the same problems. Your brethren in Moldova are going through the same problems. Your brethren throughout this whole world, all these missionaries that are up here, those are great. But those guys, as far away as they are from Indian Gap, they're going through the same trouble that we're going through this morning. It's the same problem. It's the same temptations. It's the same troubles. They're going through the same thing. So you can take comfort in knowing this is not a strange thing for me. This is a normal thing. That tells me I'm on the right path. That tells me I'm doing something right because I'm suffering for the name of Jesus Christ. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. Amen. And that's one of those, like I said, that's one of those Christian ironies. You look at it and think, that doesn't match up. Something doesn't equal out here. But the word Christian and the word suffering are in junction with one another. Amen. That's it. They're in harmony with each other. It's not Christian, I get rich, I'm always healthy, I have no problems. It's Christian, most of the time I'm dirt poor, I have all kinds of problems, my health is terrible, and I'm just going down. <laughs> that's Christian. That's equal to. Yeah. Amen? That's, that's, just, that's just how things go. In verse number 10, I like this verse. He says, But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while. It's just a while. Okay? It's just a while. Now, sometimes God's while is a lot longer than our while. Right. Uh, but he says, after you have suffered a while, make you perfect. Establish, strengthen, settle you. That's one of the reasons you go through trouble, too. That's one of the reasons you have problems. That's one of the reasons things just, you know, the bottom just seems to keep falling out from under you. God's trying to strengthen you. 
He's trying to establish you. He's trying to settle you. A lot of Christians aren't settled today. They're not settled. They're not settled with doctrine, and they're like this, up and down, up and down. Anybody comes by, they can, you know, they can kind of sway them over to their side. Well, then the next guy comes by, he can sway them over to their side. They're not settled. And the only thing that will get you settled is, is, is faith and belief in the words that God gave you right here. Amen. This is a King James Bible that I hold in my hand, okay? This is God's book, and this is the only way you're going to be established and settled is by getting into the living words of God. That's it. No other way. You've got to trust this book, and you've got to trust your Savior, and He'll guide you, and He will strengthen you, but it's going to take a little bit of problems. It's going to take a little bit of trouble, okay? Uh, Job chapter 5, verse 7 says, Yet man is born unto trouble as the sparks fly upward. Man is born unto trouble as the sparks fly upward. You were born for trouble. You weren't born so you could have everything you want. I wasn't born so I could have everything that I wish, desire, all that stuff. I was born to trouble. And that's just life. That's how it is. There's a generation of uh, people that are growing up today. And, I, you know, I mean, I say, I say kids. There's a generation of kids growing up today. And I, it, even, even, even partly my generation, too, that they don't have what people from Brother Ronnie's generation, okay, had whenever he was a kid. And I would name some of the others in here, but I don't know your names, I'm sorry. But, I mean, you take men and women from Brother Ronnie and Sister Linda's generation. They're different. They're just different, okay? They're raised different. They have different guts about them. They have different grit about them. They know what trouble is. My parents grew up in a different generation, okay? We have a generation of people growing up today that have been handed everything. They've worked for nothing, and they don't know what trouble is. Trouble, trouble for the modern-day person, and sadly, I can say trouble for the modern-day person, even people up to 60 and 70 years old, because I've seen it. Trouble for them is when their phone bill is, is overdue and their phone's cut off. That's trouble for them. That's trouble. Or trouble when you go in and your video games don't work. Oh, no. Oh, no. Man, that's trouble, you know. That's not trouble. That's not trouble. Uh, and we have, we have raised a generation of people that have been handed everything They've worked for nothing. We were driving here yesterday and saw this truck, and it had the letters Y-E-E -E on it. Anybody know what that is? Anybody seen that? Anybody? It says Y-E-E, -E, and it stands for You Earned Everything. In other words, nobody else helped you out. It's all yours. You earned everything. It's all you, 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 you. Turn on the TV and listen to Joel Osteen preach. And you know what he says? You, 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 you. Everybody's wonderful. You all are such beautiful people. Oh, God just loves you, you. And everything is centered around me. It's all me. Modern day preaching is centered around me. Okay? All right, here's some modern day centered around you preaching. You're rotten. You're vile. You're wicked. And you're rotten, vile, and wicked because of the world you live in and because of sin. Yeah, I don't care if you're saved or not. Amen. I'm just as wicked as you are, period. That's just how it is. Amen? Amen. Job said, yet man is born to trouble. 
The Christian life, okay, the Christian life and trouble are two things that go hand in hand. And when I asked you if you've been saved for longer than a week, I had a purpose for that. How many of you have faced trouble? Of course, everybody has. If you've been saved for longer than a week, you face trouble. I don't care if you're seven years old. If you've been saved for more than a week, there's been something to happen, and, it, and it's been trouble. Trouble. Now, my troubles may not be the same troubles as you have, and yours may not be the same as mine. Something small to me would be nothing to you. Something great to me would be nothing to you, but something great to you would be nothing to me. See, God, God has different trouble for each person, okay? And it doesn't take long to understand that trouble is going to be part of your life as you grow, as you grow, and uh, it's just going to be normal. So trouble comes in different shapes, different sizes. It's not always something huge, okay? And that's a modern misconception of a lot of Christians. They think that trouble just comes in, well, you know, if the bank forecloses on my house, uh, if I can't pay the payment for my car and I lose my car, uh, you know, my house burns down. Uh, you know, a storm comes through and a tornado takes off my roof, you know. That's trouble. But, but trouble's not limited to huge things, bad things, big things happening, okay? That's not the only thing that trouble is. Trouble takes a lot of different shapes and a lot of different sizes, and it's not just some drastic tragedy uh, that's something big. But trouble manifests itself in every single day, little facets of life. Amen. Little things here and there. Yeah, if, now, uh, you folks that are, say, 60 years and older, you know what I'm talking about when I say that. You've lived long enough to know that every day you face some sort of trouble, be it great or be it small. doesn't matter what it is. It's, it's something small sometimes. Other times it's something big. Sometimes it's something small that we make big, yeah. right? Sometimes it's just something little, and you dwell on it so much and get so stressed out about it, then it becomes great. That's called making mountains out of molehills. Anybody ever hear of that? Down here, it's making, making mountains out of uh, fire ant hills. I don't, I don't know if you guys got moles or not, but fire ants you got plenty of, see? And that's what happens. And you'll find out really quick, if you step on one of those ant hills, it's going to be a mountain. <laughs> Because it, it, then, then it becomes a great problem when they're crawling up your legs and biting you and stinging you. I hate fire ants. Oh, my goodness, I hate fire ants. They hurt. They hurt. But trouble's not just something that's reserved for something big. Uh, sometimes your trouble will last a short time, and sometimes it'll last for years upon years upon years. That's what I was saying. He said, after you've suffered a while... Sometimes God's while is a lot longer than my while. Sometimes God will put you through a trouble and leave it on you for one year, three years, ten years, fifteen years. And uh, I believe it's in 2 Corinthians 12 whenever Paul talks about the thorn in the flesh that he had. That, I mean, as far as what I'm reading, that thorn in the flesh never left Paul. God struck him with a thorn in the flesh and it stayed because he never says that God took it away from him, only that God said, my grace is sufficient, okay? And so God gave Paul to get the grace to get through that, but he never removed that problem. So that followed him for the rest of his life and just kept going and kept going and kept going, and it never left. So sometimes it, 
takes just a little short amount of time. Sometimes it's a big amount of time. Um, there's a period in our life, <clears throat> mine and my wife's life, lasted about five years, and it was dark. It was darkness. It was darkness. And it was like, are we ever going to get out of this trouble? And it's like, you try to find a way to get out of it. Anybody ever try to find a way to get out of your trouble? You try to find a way to make a door out, okay? Okay? Uh, he says, God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation make a way to escape. The interesting thing about that is, God is the one that makes the way to escape. It's not man that makes the way to escape. So when I'm going through the trouble, God doesn't, or, or excuse me, I don't find a way to get out of it. I have to sit there and wait until God opens the door and I see it and go, there's the escape. That's how I get out. And we spend too much time trying to make a way to get out, see. And God makes the way out and then you take that way. But you have to wait on Him to do it. But there was a time in our lives that it was dark. And it lasted about five years. And I said, are we ever going to get out of this? And I looked on this hand, and I looked on that hand, and I looked for a way, and I said, Lord, can you please just get us out of this? And, he, and I mean, he wouldn't. I mean, he didn't even say, my grace is sufficient. <laughs> he didn't say nothing. And I sat there, and I thought, why are you being quiet? Why are you being silent, you know? And I didn't understand, but now, looking back on it, hindsight, I can look back and say, oh, that's why, because that's what I needed. I needed that time. I needed time where God struck me down a little bit and put me in a dark time, and you need that too. Um, the children of, uh, of Israel are going to spend 42 months in a time that's called the Great Tribulation, Okay. They're going to spend a long time going through trouble. Now, thank God I don't have to go through that stuff, but it's going to be rough for them. And they're going to say, will you please make this stop? Will you please make this stop? And he's going to be silent. And it's going to be trouble. I mean, to the point Brother Keegan mentioned this morning about the, uh, the human, human sacrifices and uh, cannibalism and things of that nature, that's trouble. That's a problem. Now, the problems we face, nothing like that. But sometimes it lasts a long time. Daniel, when Daniel talks about their, uh, their spot that they're in during that time, he says in Daniel 7, 25, it says, And he shall speak great words against the Most High and shall wear out the saints of the Most High. He says he's going to wear out the saints of the Most High. What does it mean to wear something out? I got kids, and they wear out shoes. <laughs> They wear them out, and 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 it just keeps going on a daily basis. You know how those shoes get wore out? Every single day, they put the shoes on, and they walk, and they walk, and they walk, and they walk, and they walk. It's the little things that are going to wear you out. And it's the little things that wear out the saints that are in that tribulation time. And that's how Satan does it. That's why I said it's not always something big. Sometimes it's just the little things every day. Every single day. Amen? If I was to walk up to Brother Keegan with a safety pin and just do this right here and just prick him a little bit with it and then wait about five seconds and then prick him again and then wait about five seconds and prick him again and just keep doing that over the period of about a minute, pretty soon he's going to get mad enough to punch me in the face. <laughs> right? 
That first one doesn't bother him too much. Ow, you know, that kind of hurt. Second one, hey, that kind of hurt. And I just keep doing that over and over and over, and you, it's wearing him out and wearing him out and wearing him out. And Satan will wear you out physically. Yes. He'll wear you out emotionally. Yeah. He'll wear you out mentally. Yes. He'll wear you out spiritually with everything he can do. When you pray for your missionaries, you know what you need to pray? You need to say, God, protect them and bless them physically with good health and safety. Bless them spiritually and help them to grow and get close to you. Bless them emotionally. Help them to be emotionally stable. Okay? Bless them mentally and give them the right thoughts because Satan is in a battle for your mind. And bless them financially. Pray for those missionaries. Five things right there because that's how Satan will wear them down every time. He's been doing the same thing for the past 6,000 years and he's going to keep doing it. It's the same thing. And he wears them out, wears them out. And so Daniel says he's going to wear out those saints. Revelation 14, verse 12 says, Here is the patience of the saints. Again, during that time of Jacob's trouble, the time of the great tribulation, here's the patience of the saints. You need patience. It's, and it's something that has to be acquired over time and through trouble and trouble and trouble. And... Uh, More often than not, Satan's devices are not in the form of a catastrophic event, but rather just in the small chipping away, chipping away, chipping away. And he'll take a little hammer and a chisel and he'll chip here. And come over here and chip here and then hit here. And pretty soon you've wound up with a big crater. Amen? Amen. And you know what happens with that? You wind up with a broken spirit. Anybody ever have a broken spirit? I've had a broken spirit before. Proverbs 15, 13 says, A merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance, but by sorrow of the heart the spirit is broken. The spirit is broken. Man, that's a rough spot to be in. Jesus Christ was not a stranger to trouble, was he? Everywhere he went, he faced trouble. Everywhere. His entire ministry was full of trouble. When Jesus walked into a town, who met him? The scribes and the Pharisees. Every time he went into a new town, I just read this, maybe it was yesterday or the day before, in Matthew chapter 19, and verse number 1, it says, And it came to pass that when Jesus had finished these sayings, he departed from Galilee and came into the coast of uh, Judea beyond Jordan, and great multitudes followed him, and he healed them there. Verse 3, The Pharisees also came to him, tempting him. And then they try to drag him into this little questionnaire thing, you know. Happens everywhere he went. They were always coming up to him, trying to figure out a way to catch him in his words, trying to catch him when he wasn't looking to grab a hold of him and take him and kill him, trying to figure out some way to get him condemned. Jesus Christ, everywhere he went, he faced trouble. And we're not any different. Is that clock right, brother? Heavens to Betsy. What time is it? I'm running out of time, man. I didn't think I'd been up here that long. <laughs> what is it? One one thirty. Well, he, well he, he told me I got till 2.30, so we're all right. Psalm 34, Psalm 34, 18 says, The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart. If you're broken, that's a good place to be because that's where the Lord's at. That's, 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 that's where God's at. He wants you to be to that point. Uh, he says, uh, uh, and uh, save as such as of be of a contrite spirit. Psalm 51 says, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. 
when Jesus was preaching, he said in Luke 4, he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Boy, that's good stuff. To know that Jesus Christ is the one that puts you in the trouble and he's also the one that will get you out of the trouble and give you help during the trouble. Amen? There's three things really quick you need to do with trouble. When trouble comes your way, be it big or small, okay? Mothers, if you have children, your days are filled with small troubles. And I don't mean the kids are the troubles. I mean small troubles, problem after problem after problem after problem after problem, little thing here, little thing there, little thing here, little thing there, big thing here, little thing here. It, it, it just keeps adding up and adding up and adding up, okay? Anybody ever came home and found your wife in the fetal position? <laughs> now, that's a joke that we use, but I have come home, and it's like, hi, honey, how are you? And it's like, <laughs> whoa, bad day. You know why? Because of trouble. It ain't because she's wrong, and it ain't because she's been, you know, spending the whole day sinning. It's because of just little things here and there that just wear out and wear out and wear out. First thing you need to do is you need to confess it to the Lord. Now, it's not like, you know, going to the Lord and, you know, confessing sin, because it ain't something you've done wrong. But trouble, when you're in it, you need to take it to the Lord and you need to confess it. Psalm 55, 22 says, Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. You need to talk to the Lord about that trouble. Talk to him. Don't talk to other people about it, okay? If you honestly need counseling, if you need help, and you can't get it from the Lord, come visit your pastor, because I know that he wants to help you. I know that he, that he cares about you and loves you and wants to give you some help. But for Pete's sake, for God's sake, take it to him. And talk to Jesus Christ about it. Don't waste your time getting on Facebook saying rough day today, had a bad day, so on and so forth. Because those people that are your virtual friends, they don't care about you. Anybody figure that out yet? Anybody figure that out? Those aren't your friends. Those are not your friends. Now you may have a couple of people on Facebook that you're friends with that are people that you are friends with outside of Facebook. Okay? Facebook is all wonderful and great and all this stuff, but I'm going to tell you something. When you get on there and you start putting all this stuff about your life throughout the day, nobody cares because they read it and they're like, yeah, whatever, just keep flipping past it. They don't care. They don't care. They're not going to stop and say, oh, dear God, that person's in trouble. Let's, let's all pray. No, they're going to keep going through because it's not interesting to them because it ain't their life. They're interested in themselves and their life, okay? Don't bother going to people on social media and saying, Oh, I need prayer for this, I need prayer for this, I need prayer for this. Oh, my day's been so bad. Because people don't care. You know how I know that? Because I don't care. <laughs> now, I don't, I, I, I don't know, I get on Facebook maybe two or three times a week. If I'm bored at work or something, I'll look at it and I'll scroll through a few things and try to look for something funny that my wife puts on there. And that's it. And I read to there, and it's just like, yeah, so, uh, yeah, whatever, yeah, whatever, 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 whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah, funny, okay, whatever, whatever. And, and just, that's human nature. They don't care, okay? Those are not your friends. Confess it to the Lord. Talk to the Lord about it. You know what you need to work on? You need to work on your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's no better way to do it than going to Him and talking to Him during trouble. 
I was telling my wife the other day, there's a difference in your fellowship with Jesus Christ and your relationship with Jesus Christ. Okay? Fellowship can be broken. As a child, you can mess up, okay? And your fellowship is broken with your father. As a saved person, you can break fellowship with Jesus Christ just like that. You didn't lose your salvation, but you have lost fellowship. And you're not in a good standing with Him anymore because the lines have been cut off. And when you go to pray to Him, there's, there's something keeping you from being able to talk to Him clearly, okay? Because you broke fellowship. The great thing about that is 1 John chapter 1 says if we sin, we have an advocate with the Father, right? And he says, uh, um, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That whole chapter is talking about fellowship. I mean, read it. It says fellowship, fellowship, fellowship. It, it, just, it just keeps screaming it out. You can break fellowship and you can get fellowship restored like that by confessing what you did to the Lord Jesus Christ and saying, I was wrong. But your relationship is something else. That relationship is going to take time to get back to where it was burning bright like it was, okay? You take a, a young married couple that gets married, and man, I mean, they're just madly in love with each other. Anybody know somebody like that? And they, I, I just, I mean, everything's wonderful. I, you know, living in the honeymoon stage, it's just, just everything's great. Oh, I love you, honey. Oh, you're so sweet. You know, all this, uh. So you got all this stuff, you know. And their, their, their fellowship with each other is great. And that relationship is going good. And then something happens, and the guy messes up. That usually happens. The guy does something stupid. He'll mess up, and it'll break fellowship, and she'll lose trust in him. She'll lose confidence in him. He can go to her and say, Babe, I'm sorry, and I was wrong for doing that. And fellowship can get restored. But that relationship will not reach the strength that it was until it takes time to get that built back up. Yeah. That's a relationship. And your relationship with Jesus Christ is the most important thing you have. Amen. That's the most important thing you have. And you need to have fellowship with Him, but you also need to have that relationship right. And the best way to do that is to talk to Him. <laughs> Confess that trouble to Him. Number two, you need to commit it to the Lord. Commit it to Him. You need to give it to Him. Okay? Just take the trouble, leave it there. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7 says, Casting all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. Um, to uh, commit something, this, this is what it means. It means to give in trust, to put into the hands or power of another, to entrust with. If you're going to commit something to someone, then you're going to give it to them and trust them to take care of it. And there's no better person than Jesus Christ to take your trouble, even the little things, okay, and take them and give them to Him. Amen. Does anybody face small troubles on a daily basis? You do, right? Okay, when you have those little troubles that come up, if you take them and give them to the Lord, you know how often you're going to be going to the Lord and talking to Him? A bunch. And you know what that does for your relationship? A bunch. And it gets you stronger, and it gets you established, and it settles you, and it causes you to trust Him. Amen. So when you have trouble, rejoice. Because that means you get to talk to Him more, and your relationship gets stronger with Him. And I'm going to give you the last one here. i got some other stuff to give you, but I'm going to give you the last one. You take that trouble to the Lord, and you confess it to Him. 
All right? Secondly, you want to commit it to him. And the third one, which is the most important, crucify it. You crucify it. What do you do when you crucify something? You kill it. You nail it to the cross. Jesus Christ was crucified. You nail it to the cross. You take that trouble and you give it to the Lord Jesus Christ. And while you're there, go ahead and get a few hammer and nails and drive them into it. And leave them there and crucify it. Uh, Colossians, Colossians chapter 2, verse number 14 talks about the Lord Jesus Christ taking the ordinances that were against us and nailing them to his cross. I don't have to worry about the law coming up and condemning me anymore. I don't have to worry about that. You know why? Because, those, the, because the handwriting of ordinances was blotted out and it was nailed to his cross. So I don't have to worry about the law saying, okay, you're going to hell because you committed this sin. Because my sins have been nailed to the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ and they're cleansed, they're gone. They're gone. With trouble, when you face that trouble, when you have those small things that come up, you take those things to Him and you give them to Him. But don't drag them back off. Too many Christians spend their time trying to go to the Lord. They go to Him, okay, Lord, here's this trouble, here's this, here's this temptation, and I'm going to give it to you. And then they walk off, but they drag it back with them. Has anybody ever came to the altar and prayed and tried to leave something there and then got up and walked back and it was still plaguing you? Of course you have. Of course you've had trouble like that. It just keeps coming up and coming up and coming up. And the reason is that is because you and I have not nailed it to the cross and left it there. Did he say he would take it from you? Did he say that? You know, the trouble is the Lord forgives you, but you don't forgive yourself sometimes, and you keep bringing it up. And you forget, he said, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanseth us from how much sin? All sin. So when you take it to him and you confess it to him, he's forgotten about it. It's gone. So quit bringing it up and saying, well, now, Lord, you know, I'm sorry that I did this again. You know, uh, no, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You don't have to keep confessing it and confessing it and confessing it over and over and over, you know, for some sin you committed 10 years ago because he's already forgiven you for it. Leave it there. Leave it there. And that'll help you the next time you're tempted to commit that sin again. That'll help you not to do it again. <laughs> leave it there. Commit it to Him. Confess it to Him and crucify the thing and leave it there. Leave it there. God, God, God doesn't hold a grudge. God doesn't hold a grudge. God's not like us. We hold grudges. I don't care how spiritual you are. I don't care how sweet you are. I don't care how wonderful you are. I don't care how much of a nice spirit you have. You hold a grudge. You do. There's people that have bothered me and hurt me in the past, and I haven't forgotten it. Now, I've moved on, and I don't sit there and dwell on it on a daily basis. But when I see that person or somebody that knows that person, it comes back up, and I say, yep, I remember what they did to me. Yep. Isn't it wonderful to know that God's nothing like you? <laughs> Praise the Lord for that. I don't, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't have to worry about him bringing something up again. Because once it's cleansed, it's cleansed. Now that trouble that you face every single day, little stuff, big stuff, whatever it may be, give it to Him and leave it there. Leave it there. Uh, but also rejoice in the, the problems because it gives you a chance to get closer to Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen.
All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for the time. Grateful, Lord, for what you've done for us, and uh, thank you for this time to be able to, uh, to stand up here. I pray, Lord, it's been a help to somebody. I, I can't imagine one Christian that doesn't have trouble, and I know we all face it, and uh, maybe nobody here is going through any big troubles right now, but they're going to, and uh, it may not be today, but it'll be tomorrow, and if it's not today or tomorrow, then it's going to be the next day, because uh, just as sure as we're living and breathing right now, every Christian is going to face trouble. So I pray you give them grace and give them help and give them some encouragement and give them uh, what they need to be able to face every uh, small trouble, big trouble, no matter what it may be. I pray you give them grace and comfort. Uh, you said in, in, uh, you, you said it in 2 Corinthians, you said that you're the God of all comfort. So I pray you give them comfort and give them help and give them what they need to be able to make it through whatever trouble they might face. And help them to not just make it through it and then come out on the other side of un, unscathed or unharmed, but help them to grow a little bit too and give them some grace to grow and so that the next time they face that trouble, uh, they'll know how to handle it. And thank you again for what you've done here. We love you and praise you. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Hello, this is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church. Are you sick and tired of this world? Are you sick and tired of this life that you're living? Did you know that God has a free gift for you? It's the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. Have you ever received this gift? You know, a gift can be offered but not received. You can bow your head and ask Jesus right now to save you and give you his free gift of eternal life. Now, you might ask, how do I know he'll give me this free gift? Because I did the same thing because I bowed my head knowing I'm a sinner and asked him to save me, and he did. And I've never been the same. And this life with Jesus is a thousand times better than anything this world can offer me. Now, we would love to hear from you if you want to contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. Until next time. Casting all your care upon him.